Hi, I'm Rick Barron, your host, and welcome to That's Life, I Swear. On February 24th, 2022, two days from now, Russian forces approached a tiny Black Sea outpost, demanding its Ukraine defenders surrender or die. The response caught the Russians off guard, and the message soon became a symbol of resistance around the world. Let's jump into this. We're now two days away from the day Russia began its invasion to attack Ukraine. What follows is a moment that took place at the early outbreak of the war. You know, they say that life sometimes comes down to a few moments, and this was one. This was the one that would set the tone for the war and demonstrate a country's resistance to tyranny. As the Ukraine war began to unfold in late February of 2022, Ukraine found itself with low military supplies and a very small army. It was up against Russia's army of approximately 1.35 million active military personnel, which just dwarfed Ukraine's army of only about 500,000. The bear was waiting to bite. From what the world was seeing on TV, it appeared that the Russian army would make quick work of conquering Ukraine. Well, that wasn't the thinking of a small group of Ukrainian soldiers. They would soon give their country hope that they would not relent to Russia's oppressive power. What Ukraine lacked in size and military armament, they made up with resilience that would stun the world, but even more so, Mr. Putin. Before the war, Ukraine began preparing its defenses. Part of that preparation included a small group of soldiers and their captain, Bowden Hutsky arriving on an island unknown to the world at the time. As the soldiers arrived on the island, they looked around, and it became very clear to them that it was going to be very hard to defend this island against the might of the Russian army and its navy. To make matters worse, the island of occupied Crimea was about 113 miles east of them. Since taking over the Crimean Peninsula in 2014, Russia ensured that the Black Sea was heavily occupied by its military. The small island that the Ukrainian soldiers were to defend was an important territory 22 miles from Ukraine's southern coast. It was a rocky outpost in the Black Sea, a place known in Ukraine as Snake Island. Now, Snake Island has some history. Over many years, numerous countries battled for the ownership of this island. These countries included the Ottomans, the Russian Empire, and the Germans. They all tried at one time or another to conquer it for its own. There are shipwrecks from World War I and II. Some of these shipwrecks are a 1917 Russian destroyer sunk by a German mine, a Soviet submarine, and a grain ship. So great was the importance of this island that President Zelensky flew out there twice by helicopter and instructed his military intelligence services to reinforce the island's defenses. As a result, the population of the soldiers on the island increased to 80 Captain Hosky and his 80 soldiers had a good view of the Black Sea. They knew this wasn't going to be easy, because the winters there are very harsh and very frigid. The soldiers lived in one barrack with showers, a radio station, and a pier. On the day that the soldiers were going through drills on the island, they learned that around 4 a.m. on February 24th, Moscow launched what had become Europe's most significant war since 1945. The Russian army stormed into Ukraine, smashing everything in its sight. As the first airstrikes hit Kiev, a Russian patrol boat, the Vasily Bikov, 
approached the island from the northwest. Hotski wasted no time and ordered his team to grab their weapons and take up positions. Unfortunately, the team on the island only had sniper rifles and grenades to compete against the patrol boat, which was heavily armed. As dawn broke, the Russian vessel Vasily Bekov got closer. It was now only about a mile offshore. The ship had a sinister look about it, with its sleek, gray corvette design. The Russian ship's operator quickly came straight to the point. Give up. Lay down your weapons. No reply from the island. Just silence. Then, around 10 a.m., the first missile came crashing into the island. Hotsky wasn't sure what to do. Was this a warning? Would it be the beginning of a barrage of a massive missile attack? He was too busy to be scared, and his team was looking to him for orders. As the Ukraine team on Snake Island dug in for what may be coming next, another Russian ship approached from the south. It was the Moskva, the flagship of Russia's Black Sea Fleet. Its length was 200 meters with a crew of about 510 and was equipped with guided cruise missiles and anti-aircraft systems. I mean, this ship was a lethal Soviet-built gun platform capable of crushing anything in its path. What was feared began to happen. Shelling of the island started again. After the shelling stopped, a wave of Russian jets began bombing. Hotsky and his team found any place to hide from the incoming bombardment. Then the shelling stopped and all went quiet. He was silent for a moment, and then the Moskvav repeated the surrender message sent earlier. The Russian officers were under the impression that the Ukrainian soldiers would surrender and join the Russian forces, as many Crimean-based soldiers had done in 2014, when Putin sent special forces to seize the peninsula. The immediate picture was getting worse, as Russian boats had circled the island. Clearly, with Ukraine under attack from several directions, no help was coming. One of the captain's colleagues monitored transmissions on the radio and hoped to make contact for help. The radio came back to life again. On the other end of the line was an urgent voice speaking in Russian. It was the Moskvav. The exchange went something like this. Snake Island, I, Russian warship, repeat the offer. Lay down your arms and surrender or you will be bombed. Have you understood me? Do you copy? Hotsky and his team looked at one another. Their eyes were telegraphing, what do we do? A few soldiers contemplated that this was it, and perhaps it was best to surrender rather than be bombed to death. Then someone said, well, then that's it. Or do we need to tell them to fuck off? Another guard said, might as well. And then the five words that would soon circle the globe quickly were relayed back to the Russian ship. First border guard. Russian warship. Go fuck yourself. Soon after the conversation, the Ukrainian military command lost contact with the island. It was assumed all of its defenders had been killed. All of Ukraine was in mourning. It wasn't long that President Zelensky awarded a posthumous honor to Hotsky and his comrades, each receiving the title Hero of Ukraine. The last words exchanged with the Russian warship were shared via an audio clip with the Ukrainian public. They listened with sadness, tears, and pride. They were hearing the last words of 80 men who gave their lives to defend Ukraine. Or so everyone had assumed. On February 25th, a priest named Father Vasilo Virusub 
received a call from a Ukrainian naval officer. The officer came straight to the point. The priest was to take a boat journey to Stank Island and bring back the bodies of the fallen. The priest had 30 years of experience in the church and chaplain to Ukraine's military personnel. He agreed, of course, and quickly got onto a boat with two clergymen and a doctor, heading for Stank Island. The Russian Navy had approved the trip. The following day, they approached the island, its sheer rock face visible in the distance. They were told to lay anchor and wait for the inspection from the Russians. When the Russians boarded, the priest was asked why he was coming to the island. When he explained he was there to collect the bodies of the dead, he was told that there was nobody on the island. Everyone had left already. The priest was ordered to take a photo of the island and send it back to his people and deliver the following message. That the Ukrainians defending the island had all surrendered and were now prisoners of war. The territory was now Russia's. Before he knew what was happening, soldiers tied Barbasov's arms behind his back. He was loaded onto a ship and transported to another location. As they left, a Russian special officer told the priest he would be released when Putin's military operation was finished. Virasub pointed out that this might take months, or maybe a year. The officer laughed and was amused, and told the priest, Listen, it will only take seven or eight days, no more, to conquer Ukraine. When they pulled into the port, the priest still hoped he might be set free. He was, after all, a civilian engaged on a humanitarian mission. Well, the Russians didn't care. They shoved him and two dozen other non-combatants into a minivan and drove them to a naval watchtower at gunpoint. Over the next 11 days, he was interrogated up to three times a day. Unfortunately for the priest, his hell was about to begin. What can we learn from this story? What's the takeaway? Well, for me, the immediate takeaway was that Ukraine was not going to roll over and surrender. If Russia wanted to fight and take over their country, then bring it on. The resolve of this country would soon unite the world, leading to numerous countries to come to their aid with military and food supplies. What we can learn from this story is that it doesn't end here. I ask you to join me next week for part two, the final episode of this story. Well, there you go. That's life, I swear. For further information regarding the material covered in this episode, I invite you to visit my website that you can find on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for show notes calling out key pieces of content mentioned and the episode transcript. As always, I thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. See you soon.